In addition to four imported COVID cases, Taiwan reported three domestic COVID infections on Friday. All three are employees at a quarantine hotel near Taoyuan International Airport. In just two days, there have been four cases linked to the hotel and health officials are now calling the outbreak a cluster infection. The Central Epidemic Command Center also released the whereabouts of the new cases before their diagnosis. Three more workers from the Novotel Quarantine Hotel in Taoyuan were diagnosed with COVID on Friday. Two of them are room service supervisors, the other is a staff member from the first floor. That one may not have moved around too much, but the other two moved around a lot. The CEC also announced three venues in Taoyuan that case 1,127 had visited before her diagnosis. They include a French bakery in Zhongli. And a Japanese restaurant also in Zhongli. Meanwhile, one day before his diagnosis, case number 1,128 had taken a bus to Zhongli Railway Station and eaten at the nearby Yulong Chain restaurant. The restaurant's owner said the premises had been fully disinfected. Case number 1,120, a hotel housekeeper who was announced positive on Thursday, had taken the Taoyuan Airport MRT to work for several days before his test. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenshan visited the network's airport hotel station on Friday to inspect epidemic prevention efforts. In two days, they sanitized 21 metro stations. They also implemented a rule requiring workers to stay at one station. The 20 workers at this station will not go to other stations and they have to carry out self-health management. If they need arises, they must go and get tested. Zheng also reiterated that airport arrivals, including passengers, pilots and flight crews, are not permitted to ride the Taoyuan Airport MRT. Doing so would incur fines of up to 1 million NT. Since the four hotel employees tested positive for COVID in a two-day span, the CECC is now considering the outbreak a cluster infection. Definitely, these cases from the hotel are a cluster because there are already four of them. The quarantine hotel has a total of 207 employees. After case number 1,120 was detected, three of his colleagues were sent to hospital with fevers. One of them was diagnosed with the virus on Friday, together with another two employees. The remaining workers who've tested negative will be required to remain in a centralized quarantine facility for 14 days, where they'll be tested for COVID antibodies. The CECC says it hopes to find the source of the infections as soon as possible. More than 100 China Airlines pilots have been put under a 14-day isolation as the number of infections linked to the quarantine hotel in Taoyuan keeps growing. With so many pilots unable to work, China Airlines has canceled 12 flights to North America between April 29th and May 15th. Among the services affected are flights between Taipei and Washington, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And the pilots in isolation aren't the only ones unable to fly. Regulations also mandate two days of no flying after being vaccinated against COVID, putting China Airlines in a tight spot.
One of the COVID cases that was reported on Thursday had begun experiencing COVID symptoms more than a week before his diagnosis. He had also visited a doctor several times but was not sent to a hospital for testing. Central Epidemic Command Center Chief Chen Shizhong said the clinic had been careless for failing to send the patient to be tested since the patient worked at a quarantine hotel. But the Taiwan Primary Care Association says the clinic had no way of knowing that the patient was a high-risk person as there was no indication of where he worked in his health records. This clinic in New Taipei's Sanchong District has pulled down the shutters. A sign on the side says it won't reopen until May 11th. That's because Case 1120 recently came to see the doctor here. The patient worked in housekeeping at a hotel in Taoyuan where many China Airlines pilots quarantined after returning to Taiwan. The man had no history of foreign travel. His main duties at the hotel were cleaning rooms and buying things for guests. He developed a cough and a runny nose on April 17th and saw a doctor three times in one week. On April 27th, he was tested for COVID and diagnosed with the disease. Health Minister Chen had previously said the local clinic had failed to notice the case due to inattentiveness. The Taiwan Primary Care Association thinks otherwise. The workers at quarantine hotels are a very high-risk group. Every day they are with people who may be infected. How come that isn't noted in the health records system? If your records have the note and I see you have a health problem, I would absolutely send you straight to get tested at a hospital. It's normal for patients with breathing issues to visit the doctor three times. The doctor says clinics can't treat each of their many patients as COVID cases. He says the problem in this case was that workers at quarantine hotels who are at high risk of infection are not listed as such in their NHI card data. This makes it hard for local clinics to see who truly is at risk. In addition, the doctor who attended to patient 1120 said he simply thought it was a cold as the patient did not reveal his occupation or his contact history. We need rapid testing tools. It can't be that every Every time a patient comes in, doctors have to put on PPE, spend 20 minutes collecting a sample, sending it to the CDC, and then waiting two days for a result. This is very hard for frontline clinics to do. If quarantine hotel employees don't feel well and don't report it, they unintentionally become a blind spot and vulnerability for epidemic prevention. We need to put our hearts into investigating the matter. Six pilots who had stayed at the hotel where case number 1120 worked have also been diagnosed with COVID. Contact tracing is still ongoing to prevent the virus from spreading in the community. With tensions rising between the U.S. and China, many U.S. officials and academics are sounding the alarm on the possibility of military conflict in the Taiwan Strait. This sentiment is highlighted in the cover story of the latest edition of The Economist, which calls Taiwan the most dangerous place on earth. The article says that the U.S.'s strategic ambiguity on the issue of Taiwan sovereignty is breaking down and that Washington is, quote, coming to fear that it may no longer be able to deter China from seizing Taiwan by force. The article continues to say that the whole world would face consequences should war halt semiconductor production at TSMC. It also points out that a PLA attack would test the U.S.'s military strength and political resolve in the area. Failing to dispatch the 7th Fleet to intervene would be akin to handing Asia over to China, it says. 
China has actively poached Taiwanese talent in various sectors, particularly the tech industry. The government has expressed concern that the issue has become a national security risk, and President Tsai Ing-wen's cabinet is now taking action. Brokers who advertise jobs in China or those who help secure such jobs will now face fines of up to 10 million Taiwan dollars. Visiting a Taiwanese online job bank and selecting China as the location in the search criteria will return numerous results. Taiwan Statistics Agency estimates that in 2019, a total of 739,000 Taiwanese worked overseas. More than half of them, 395,000 people in all, worked in China. Especially in the semiconductor industry, the brain drain has become serious enough to be considered a national security concern. The Tsai administration has decided to take action. This is an effect of the U.S.-China tech war, which has caused China to focus attention on Taiwanese professionals in the semiconductor industry. The labor ministry has informed job banks that they are prohibited from advertising China-based jobs or the services of brokers who help arrange employment in China. Those posting such job ads could be fined between 100,000 and 500,000 NT. Meanwhile, brokers helping job seekers find employment in China can be fined up to 5 million NT. Those advertising or arranging employment related to integrated circuits, semiconductors or related work will face doubled fines. Past laws have been worded to say brokers can't help job seekers to find work in China. But the laws were lenient for companies with headquarters in China that were recruiting for China operations. Now, the law is stricter. I can't say this isn't a good thing, though. I think it goes a step further toward protecting job seekers. This new regulation is just focused on advertisements. What companies might do is to word their ads to say only that there's a job opportunity overseas, but not mention China. In the interview, they'll tell you the position might involve work in China. That's not advertising, but it might result in labor disputes. If an organization reassigns an employee after hiring them, that isn't something we would get involved with. However, if what is laid out on the job ad is different from what a person encounters when they are hired, that would fall under false advertising. The website for Yes123 recently took down 300 adverts for jobs in China. Meanwhile, JobBank 104 is working on taking down 3,774 China-based job offers. Taiwan's GDP grew by 8.16% in the first quarter of 2021, according to the government's statistics agency. That's two percentage points higher than the agency's February estimate of 6.2%. The figure marks the biggest quarterly growth in almost 10 years. Experts say the growth was fueled by strong domestic and foreign demand. Let's hear from a statistics official. The main reason is that investments and product exports exceeded expectations. Countries around the world continue expanding and revitalizing their economies and driving up usage of new technologies. Demand for those and for old economy products has clearly recovered. Semiconductor plants with big investments as well as firms in memory, testing and packaging, electronics and petrochemicals have seen more investments overall. 
Consumer spending also finally broke away from four consecutive quarters of negative growth. With foreign travel off-limits to many, those extra cash reserves have translated into greater spending on cars, luxury items and smartphones. Consumer spending grew by 2.08 percent in Q1, in contrast with negative 1.97 in the previous quarter. The impact of the global silicon chip shortage is expanding across the electronics industry. In addition to smart cars and phones, electronic products of all kinds are now rising in price as manufacturers struggle to meet demand. The price of television screens has risen most dramatically by as much as 20 percent. Some retailers say it's the biggest price hike they've seen in 40 years. This store is full of every kind of electronic gadget in existence, but they're not as cheap as they once were. This 55-inch TV was once 23,900 NT. Now it's gone up to 27,900 NT, mainly driven by the global silicon chip shortage. These washing machines, air conditioners and fridges all need chips too, and prices have gone up 5 to 10 percent. The waiting list for orders has lengthened. In the past, they promise you the product within a week. Now you're lucky if it comes within a month. The chips for the TVs keep getting more expensive. Then I heard the prices for washing machines and fridges are exploding too. So I thought I'd get in now and save a bit of money. It's hit TVs and products with liquid crystal displays the hardest. At first, it was the smaller products, 32 to 43 inch screens, that got more expensive. Now, it's the same for 55 to 65 inch and even bigger across a whole range. They're trying to control it, but now there's more and more pressure on manufacturers. They're telling us they're not going to be able to control it. The chip shortage has spread from cars and smartphones to electronics across the board. This analyst says the chaos will continue through 2020. As we approach the new era of 5G phones, it's creating a massive increase in demand for chips in the communications sector. We can see how this April silicon chip prices already started going up by as much as 15 or 20 percent. I think, optimistically, the chip crisis will be here until mid-2022 or even the third quarter of 2022. While chips are in short supply, electronics are feeling the pinch, from cars, phones and laptops to home appliances. Prices will likely be rising for some time. Reservoirs around Taiwan will likely have to wait until late May to get replenished. That's according to Central Weather Bureau forecasters, who say Taiwan's annual plum rains may not come until the second half of May. They also warned that this year's rainy season may not deliver as much precipitation as in previous years. Friday saw clear and cloudy skies island-wide, but no rain in sight. Forecasters say Taiwan might not see any seasonal plum rains until late May. Right now we're observing when the next wave of heavy rains will come. For that, we're looking at two factors. One is when the seasonal winds will come up. The second is whether any plum rain fronts from the north move south and form a stationary front near Taiwan. In the next two weeks, it's unlikely that these two conditions will present themselves simultaneously. But there's a chance that these indicators will go up in late May. The Central Weather Bureau says Taiwan may have to wait until late May for its annual plum rains. They also say the rain scarcity may last until June. Historically, the plum rains deliver the most water to central and southern Taiwan, followed by the north and east. Water levels tend to get another boost from July to September as typhoons approach Taiwan. 
forecasters say they'll keep monitoring changes as lots of variables can affect weather patterns. This year, May, June and July may see less rain than usual. Precipitation will gradually return to normal values starting June. Northeasterly winds will strengthen from Sunday to Tuesday, delivering localized short showers to the north and east. On Wednesday, another front is expected to move south. If we compare with the fronts over the past few days, next Wednesday's front has lower values for expected precipitation. There's a relatively smaller chance that it will bring heavy downpours. Over the next week, fronts and northeasterly winds will sweep over Taiwan. But experts say they won't bring rains that can ease Taiwan's water shortage. For now, conserving water is the way to go. Have you ever wanted to float on the ocean at midnight, admiring a moonlit sea? A new venture from Hualien County government offers exactly that. Together with whale-watching tour operators, they're launching a new series of boat tours to admire the moon and stars from the sea. In late May, you can even watch a total lunar eclipse from the water. The moon hangs bright in the sky, its light reflecting off the water even in the dead of night. Hualien's whale-watching industry is Taiwan's finest, and together with the county government, they've produced a new series of tours to enjoy the ocean at night. Hualien County government and Hualien whale-watching tour operators are launching the Ocean, Moon and Star tours because the conditions at sea are wonderful in May and June. And we want to support the whale-watching industry to diversify its services. We hope the industry will go from strength to strength. The first ocean moon tours will set out to sea on May 26 and June 5th. One trip will focus on the stars and the other on the moon. Both will have astronomy experts on board to explain the mysteries of the night sky to passengers. The moon tour is May 26 and will give participants a rare view of a total lunar eclipse. Experts will be on the moon and star tours to tell astronomy stories and talk about the stars in the constellations. The star viewing tours will set off at about 5 or 6 p.m. Around dusk, we'll wait for the moon to emerge above the sea horizon, gradually rising and then bathing the ocean in moonlight. Few of us get a chance to enjoy the ocean at night. It's a magical experience, quite unlike a daytime trip. Operators hope the tours will encourage more locals and visitors to fall in love with the wonders of the natural world. The Forestry Bureau of Hualien is creating a series of masks decorated with indigenous Taiwanese trees. The Taroko Oak and Taidong Firethorn are some of the stars of the new arboreal accessories. But the limited edition of 5,000 sets will not be available in stores. To get your hands on one, you need to be on the guest list at a Forestry Bureau event. Fashionable face masks are a staple of the modern stylish wardrobe. Hualien Forestry Bureau spotted a niche for its creativity, producing illustrations of five common indigenous plant species. The design is quite special, not like most things on the market, and it's drawn in a very fine style. We're promoting indigenous trees on masks to enable people to learn how they're all around us in our lives, to remind us that forests are a part of us. The species chosen are the hardy taidong firethorn, the taroko oak, a popular choice for bonsai pots, the Okinawan hibiscus, often found growing in coastal forests, the heat-loving oldham silverberry, and the Roxburgh sumac, which has disinfectant properties. So far, the firethorn and oak designs are complete, and three more are still underway. The gift box set will be a limited edition of 5,000 and strictly not for sale. 
The five mask designs we're producing will be given away as gifts at a series of forthcoming events. These will be promoted on our official website. The Forestry Bureau extends a warm welcome to members of the public who want to take part. The unusual masks are a way for the Bureau to reach out to the public. If you're harboring a latent love of trees, watch out for updates on how to get involved.